Oh, man. Listen to that crowd. They know who it is. They know the name. The next generation, indeed. Next gen. That's his nickname. <laughs> next gen. What's up, Steelers fans? Pittsburgh notched their second victory in as many weeks this afternoon with a 30-23 victory on the road over the Seattle Seahawks. It's the first time since weeks 5 and 6 of 2020 that Pittsburgh has scored uh, 30 points in consecutive games. Not just one games while scoring 30 points. It's, they haven't scored 30 points in consecutive games in a over three years, but they did it today. A bit of an inauspicious start for the offense, uh, ending that opening drive in a fourth down five deep throw. Looking down the field, Mason was, uh, when Mitch Trubisky made that decision and threw that ball a couple Thursday nights ago against New England, uh, you tore him to shreds for it. I actually didn't hate this one as much as I hated the New England one because uh, the talk about the Seattle defense, especially on fourth down, is that's a very penetrable defense. And it was very logical to assume that they would be selling out uh, to stop the to stop the underneath stuff, which is the perfect time you want to try to take a shot over the top. But either way, it was another instance of turning up a makeable Chris Boswell field goal, like they did uh, against Indianapolis. Um, it would have been about the same distance and kicking off of turf. You don't have to make the the allowances for for quirky stuff to happen with a natural field surface. Chris Boswell has shown throughout his career that he's more than dependable, even from outside, maybe even especially from outside 50. And uh, to have more faith in this Steelers offense right now, and I understand that they're coming off a hot performance and they had another uh, another corker of a game today, but to trust them more than you trust Chris Boswell, who. You know, if he didn't play in the same conference as Justin Tucker, he would be a perennial pro bowler. Jumping forward to the Steelers' next offensive drive, the Deontay Johnson fumble. I saw it in real time. I thought that he was out of bounds when he touched that, and it would be the same rule as if you're, you know, covering a punt and you you step into the end zone. You can't then touch the ball and knock it back to your teammates. So if that had been a defensive player, he would step stepped out of bounds and then tried to bat the ball back in for one of his dudes to recover it. That's why that has to be a dead ball there. Uh, if you touch it while out of bounds, and the Steelers are lucky that he did. Fortunately, they were able to take a look at it, and uh, that's not the fortunate part. They they look at all turnover plays. Fortunately, they were able to overturn it um, and uh, bring that ball back because I, I would not have been able to handle the discourse on Steelers' internet had that uh, gone against Deontay Johnson. And then again later, uh, George Pickens had a very similar situation where he fumbled the ball out of bounds after a, after a catch and run there. Um, if he had not done that, I think even even though the play didn't go against the Steelers, had George Pickens not fumbled that ball and committed the same offense that Deontay had, I think fans would have had a, a little bit more to say about the Deontay situation. Even though it didn't hurt the team, I think they are still looking for any reason they can find to, uh, to run Deontay out of town. But uh, it would have been a lot harder to criticize him for doing something that their, uh, their golden god, George Pickens himself, did uh, just a couple drives later. It was another big day for the Steelers running backs. Uh, Jalen Warren starting off the festivities with a touchdown run on a counter. When they showed that replay, there was uh, Broderick Jones all alone on the right side of the line, and then three tight ends stacked up on the left. And it, it looks like they're running left at that point, but uh, they started out left and then cut it back to the right. That's what a counter run is. Um, and, uh, you know, a savvy defender will will key on the, the blockers. He'll read the protection uh, and go where he thinks the ball— the, a savvy defender will read the protection and he'll put himself where he thinks the ball is coming based on how the protection is setting up to, uh, you know, to block it up there. Um, the uh, What the Seattle did there is they keyed on the runner. They saw Jalen start out to the left. They went left. And then when they cut it back, suddenly Jalen has the leverage he needs to get it into the end zone there. 
and uh, for good measure, he threw the deuces up to the to the guy tailing him, trying to trying to chase him down there. And uh, he's probably going to see a fine for that, similar to what George got last week for pointing at the guy. Uh, high, he high-stepped over on his way into the end zone. Warren had a highlight run on each of the Steelers' first three drives tonight. Uh, the first drive, he moved the chains on a first down run. Second drive, obviously, the touchdown. And then on the third drive, uh, he had one of those Najee runs where he just refuses to go down. Najee Harris, not to be outdone, had a couple of those runs of his own, the second of which ended in the end zone. Uh, you saw it on the broadcast. This was only Najee's fifth uh, game with 100-plus rushing yards. He finished with 125, I think. This is not one of the games where the Steelers' offensive line, and they haven't had many of these lately, but did a bunch of favors for the for the guys carrying the ball. Uh, there weren't a lot of big holes. There was a lot of hit in the backfield situations. A lot of the yardage was after contact. Um, so that just, you know, increases the level of respect we should have for the performance those guys were able to put out with uh, with not much help. Uh, in front of them there. Eric Rowe, on first watching, have another impressive game, uh, called into action on short notice, stepped up last week with an interception, almost had another one today. Uh, another inch or two would have been the difference there. He was just he was caught between steps and his back pedal, so he was unable to elevate for that ball from his underneath zone position. Missed opportunities like that. I mean, that's the other edge of the sword for an opportunistic defense like the Steelers have. Uh, you saw it yesterday with Penn State in their bowl game. Uh, multiple times turnovers were called off the board, erased due to after review, and on both of those occasions, Ole Miss was able to drive down the field and get points out of the of what would have been the ball going the other way. Today in Seattle, you saw TJ trying to come around the edge. He went through two guys and just slipped coming around the edge. What would have been a sack ended up into a deep ball to DK Metcalf, and uh, obviously they ended, up, they ended up getting that ball into the end zone. On Seattle's second touchdown, you saw uh, Joey Porter Jr., a little slow to get up, was taken off the field for a couple plays. And uh, right before the, the, the touchdown play, you saw him campaigning to get back on the field. And obviously he didn't get out there in time. And the touchdown uh, was caught right over James Pierre. So you could probably assume that uh, whatever position, whatever role Pierre was playing on that play should have been the role Porter was playing. And, you know, he's got those long arms. He's a tall guy. He probably could have gotten insinuated himself into that pass a little better than Pierre could have. There was definitely an air of chippiness out there in Seattle today. Uh, Broderick Jones was one of the main contributors to that. Uh, there was an instance at the end of the Green Bay game where uh, Danny Smith got clocked by an interceptor running out of bounds after he was, sustained a late hit. Um, and uh, Broderick Jones coming in to kind of defend his guys and that it had to be pulled back by multiple players and coaches. And, you know, people kind of explained that away, that it looked like it was just, you know, having fun with your friend and they were just joking. But uh, this is not the first, this is not the second, this may not even be the third instance where Jones's uh, temper, Broderick Jones's temper, has uh, flared up. And it hasn't hurt the team yet as far as the yellow laundry in the field. But uh, as soon as it does, uh, there's going to be a narrative around it. And just remember, I was the first one on that bus when you guys all start talking about you know, this attitude starting to go the wrong way because everyone loves the the mean streak that we have in these guys, you know, until it starts to hurt you, until it goes over the top. You saw the tide turn on George Pickens's attitude awful quickly. Everyone was defending defending him to the grave. And then at one game where he doesn't block and all of a sudden everyone is ripping him and it doesn't matter how talented he is if he's not going to uh, put forth uh, full effort, uh, they don't want him on the field anymore. People will say that they like that mean streak in their linemen. They like them to be able to to have that dog in them and to, you know, bark people off the line, so to speak. But uh, there's a way to do that within the rules. When you really dial in that sweet spot, 
you can get your opponents angry and get under their skin and get them, you know, riled up and into a situation where they're not playing their best ball, uh, where they're having emotional situations, which is uh, blowing up into 15-yard penalties that hurts the team um, without, you know, going over the line and hurting your own team in the process. You can bait them in entirely clean and legal ways, uh, similar to how JPJ was doing with DK Metcalf today. And I don't know what he what was being said between those two, but there seemed to have been a battle of the minds going back and forth. Metcalf was mean and aggressive, and uh, I think he was guilty of holding on that first touchdown there. But secondly, the one that he got called for, uh, that should have been an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty because he threw a punch after the after the holding. A certain Steelers blog, I'm sure you all listened to, a few weeks ago when Matt Canada was ousted, their take on the game after the Cincinnati game was they got rid of all of the wasted motion that doesn't stress the defense, doesn't confuse them. All it does is tire out. Uh, Allen Robinson is usually the one who's uh, on, the, on, the, on the operative end of it. And I saw plenty of wasted motion and pointless stuff from Allen Robinson out there today. And it seemed like Mason Rudolph also struggled with the snap timing. I don't know if this is a Mason Cole thing or a Mason Rudolph thing, but the obviously we've talked about Cole and the snap, the low snaps coming out of late. I saw a couple more of those today, none that rose to the, uh, the level of hurting the team. That's expected when you're dealing with moving parts uh, for people to have the timing not quite down yet. It's a tricky thing for the defense because you have to honor the motion and adjust to it or else you'll get out leveraged to one side. But once you do adjust to it, more often than not, they're just trying to pull you out of position to get leverage going the other way. And you saw exactly why on that the Pickens uh, jet sweep, uh, what happens when you don't honor it, the advantage that you give the offense. Speaking of Pickens, he had a couple highlight hands moments there in the second half. One catch he had to secure between his knees with his thighs. Uh, another catch, he full extension between the fingertips laying out there for what ended up to be a, uh, a the field goal to go up by seven. Seems like the Steelers have finally found a competent backup for TJ and Alex in uh, Nick Herbig. He had a giant strip sack and fell on the recovery today, uh, seemingly doing TJ want things. Uh, while T.J. Watt was on the field at this time, he was in the other side dropping into coverage, which I talked about it last week. Um, the uh, the Seahawks had their starting right tackle hurt and was out of the game. One might think when a team exposes a weakness like that, you might attack it over and over and over and over and over with the best edge rusher on the planet. But what the Steelers instead decided to do is, uh, you know, drop the best edge rusher on the planet into coverage instead of having him rush off the edge against a backup right tackle which is a, uh, certainly a choice. Uh, not the choice I would make, not the choice most people would make. I understand uh, you can't have him rush the pass on every down, and uh, it's not like TJ can't make plays moving backwards, and you know he's not a Miles Garrett who can only you know do one thing, but uh, you know they're doing it too much. TJ had a relatively quiet afternoon. Uh, he had a couple near misses, but the, the the right tackle he was going against was giving the full Jason Kelsey treatment where he was kicking off the line early every single snap. NFL officiating has taken a hit as of late, especially, you know, what happened last night. And I realize that this doesn't quite rise to the level of that. But, you know, it all goes into a bigger thing of lack of confidence in the on-field product. Um, and all that got, you know, blown into much more significance when you invite gambling and all that, all the big money uh, that's flying around professional sports now, especially in the game of football. I realize you can't throw a flag on every panel, on every snap because it ruins the viewing product. But uh, when they're showing it to be habitual, when he's telling you, I'm going to keep doing this every single snap until you tell me I can't do it anymore. The flag has to come out there, and it doesn't have to rise to the, to the level of being flagrant or blatant or obvious. 
if, if you see him doing it every time, even if it's just a little bit of a, of an advantage, you have to let him know, you know, you can't take that inch and expect a mile every single play. We're going to, we're going to ding you for it eventually. And, you know, he's going to get better real quick. And if he starts to slip up again, starts to slip back into that, getting that quick start, let him know again. Looking at the box score, only four Steelers caught passes today. Uh, Pickens caught seven of his nine targets. Uh, Pat Firemuth, three of his four. And then Jalen Warren and Deontay Johnson both caught uh, all four of their respective targets. Um, so only three of Mason Rudolph's passes that were intended for a receiver, meaning non-throwaway passes, uh, ended up bouncing. The most important one, obviously, was the last one at Pickens. Uh, in a situation where everyone in the stadium and all the ships at sea uh, were expecting run, they, they go over the top and roll the dice there, and whatever the opposite of crapped out is, is what happened to the Steelers there. Uh, took a risk and it paid off. Two of three on fourth down, the Steelers were today. Obviously, the non-conversion there was the, the deep pass. Uh, the other two conversions being uh, QB sneaks, uh, one of which came after a failed third and one stuff, but they still had the confidence to go out there. You're not going to stop us twice in a row. So the offense seems to have their confidence back. They seem to be playing loose and happy right now. Let's just hope that the Nick Herbig strip sack and fumble recovery uh, carries that out over to the defense and they can kind of get their feet back under them because when you're paying your defense as much as the Steelers are, uh, you expect a little bit more from that side of the ball.